Hello and welcome to another episode of RT Plus and what is the next episode in our UK IFPR series. Uh, today uh, we're going to talk about group consolidation uh, and I am very pleased to be joined by our Global Head of Financial Services, Jonathan Herbst, and Senior Associate in our London uh, office, Jochen Vester. Over to Jonathan and Jochen. Hello to both of you. Hi. Hi, good morning. Um, perhaps, Jonathan, if we can start with you. Is it possible to just give us a bit of a flavour of the macro picture here and, and what's changed and, and what are the sort of highlights of, of this particular aspect of the regime? Yeah, no, no problem, Arup. So um, what's really fascinating about this is there's more change than certainly I think we had anticipated. So this is really one to keep an eye on. And I pick out three or four points. So I think point number one is the actual test of what is a consolidation group. And there are, there are a few points there, but I just pick one out particular. In the old days, you looked at the country of incorporation of the whole co. You only went up to the sort of, in the old days, the European, now the UK whole co. And you looked at incorporation as the key test. They've now added a second element, which is the principal pace of business. And that has led to a lot of concern in the market around the extent to which you might have a third country domiciled whole co that then you suddenly find you've got a consolidation group you never thought you had. So that's point number one. Point number two, and this is, this is very much reflective of actually what's happened in the banking sphere as well, is the whole change of emphasis of the powers and the application of the rules. And I think the nutshell point here is in the old days, the UK implemented, you know, right from 2CSD onwards, the provisions effectively to say, right, it will be for the regulated entity entities in the group to procure that the group including right the holding company will do x y and z and so it was very much the, the rules application was formally speaking to the regulated entity and that was where the responsibility sat and that's where the disciplinary sanctions sat that has all changed you've now got an ifpr a very clear um, regime that applies directly to the holding company and for the holding company to procure that the group will do all the various things on governance and various other areas as well. And those are direct powers. And that has a number of implications. I think the one that has excited people most is that there are direct disciplinary powers in relation to the holding company and its board. And so I think that's a major change, particularly when you think about the requirements in relation to governance at Holco level, that's a second significant area of change. I think the third one, there are lots of things to pick up, but just to sort of keep it brief, the third one I pick up, it's slightly more arcane, but it's an important one. And um, there was always a debate where you had a, a group structure where the holding company was effectively just acquiring holdings in inverted commas. And there was always a, a debate about whether there was a possible distinction between acquiring holdings, which has always been an annex activity and would trigger the financial holding company test versus what we used to argue was the so-called holding holdings argument, as I put it, which is, well, all we do, we don't go out and acquire holdings. This is a long-term holding entity. And somehow, and we certainly have worked on deals in the past where we and others have argued there's a distinction between the two, and therefore you can have cases where um, effectively, particularly in a private equity context, you sort of cut the group off, not as high as you might think in relation to um, portfolio companies and the nature of the holding company. Uh, to cut to the chase, the FCA has effectively cut that 
off. I think they have confirmed that if you have a single acquisition uh, of a holding, that brings you into the annex definition. And so I think particularly for PE groups, but not uniquely for them, they need to be looking very carefully at some of their historic analysis and bringing it forward into the IFPR world. So I think the nutshell answer is, we thought there'd be very little change. Conceptually, there've always been sort of group consolidation requirements, but actually read the small print, there are three or four really significant macro points in there that people need to be alive to. And if they haven't done their analysis already, they need to do it now. And in particularly for whole co-boards, the sorts of governance requirements, which are much clearer now for the group, will be really material. So that, that's enough from me on that one. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, as ever, the, the devil really uh, is in the detail there. Um, if we uh, move to, to you, Jochen, what, what other sort of aspects do you think uh, firms uh, should be looking at? And in particular, I mean, do you have any views on, on the application of the uh, group capital test? Thank you very much, Arif. I think it, it's, a, it's a very good point. And I think um, it follows on from what Jonathan has said. I think that IFPR offers as an alternative to, to group consolidation at the group capital test. But um, which also the firms can only use the group capital test obviously prior to the FCA's permission which comes with with various application requirements here but I think uh, firms need to be really really mindful and need to run the calculation whether or not ultimately relying on the group capital test will be beneficial what are the advantages what are the disadvantages here so this is something firms need to be really really mindful of I think another a very important aspect and I think this is really here to to achieve more transparency are the new notification requirements which just have been confirmed in the latest policy statement 2117 so from the 1st of January onwards FCA firms will need to submit a new group notification form on connect in instances in the event an investment firm group is created, an investment firm group has changed, or even in the event the investment firm group has ended. And this would also include if this happens, for example, as a result of a change of control within the group for which the firm has thought or has already obtained the FCA's approval as part of a section 178 notice. So going forward in deals or in 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 instances of a restructuring of the group firms need to be really mindful of this new notification requirement and who will be responsible within the group to submit the notification forms so i think these two points really on the uh, group capital test and the new notification requirements this is definitely something uh, firms need to be mindful of in the new world going forward Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jochen. And thank you uh, again to Jonathan. Uh, for firms out there who are interested in this, um, if you want more information, obviously, if you need advice, do uh, uh, don't hesitate to reach out uh, to contact your normal NRF contact. We are currently running a product called IFPR Impact, um, which would be uh, we would be delighted to discuss with you. Um, but also do stay tuned to Regulation Tomorrow for more updates on this topic and more podcasts uh, on this uh, regime. So we hope to see you soon.